Hello, handsome people. How are we doing? Uh, you can't answer that because this is pre-recorded, so don't answer that, even if you're on the train. Uh, this is Jamie. Just to say that we've split this week's episode into two, so you get part two next week uh, because we had so much fun talking to Mark O'Neill that we didn't want to get rid of any of it, but I know that it can be daunting when you look at a podcast and it goes, this is two hours, and you go, oh, God, these people aren't interested enough to go over an hour, so we've spread it out for you. So this is part one, and then we'll get into our top three next week. Uh, so we're looking at the best movie to revisit the 80s or something like that. You'll see what the what it's titled. All right, have a great time. Have a good week. Bye. If you like movies and I'm here to say, then this is the show for you, okay? It's called the best movie to Jamie Allen's own, so don't touch that down. Turn off your phone. Grab a sweet song, mix of popping corn. From Rosebud to Lapid to Jason Bourne. Meryl Streep to Kirk Russell to Dennis Hopper. And don't forget, y'all. This is the chopper! Yeah. So let me do my, my intro, which I... Um, less and less enthusiastic about every single time we record this yeah. and away we go welcome to the best movie Two podcast the podcast that answers any given movie question possible and this week we're answering what is the best movie to relive the 80s with mark o'neill hi mark hello jamie how are you i'm good how are you i'm very well uh it's nice i like in podcasts where you, we have this chat as if we've not just spoken for 10 minutes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and i was like no not not really man i'm 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 really thinking about the fucking void <laughs> and you're like cool man save it for the podcast yeah. uh, so <laughs> to answer your question no i'm i'm all right i'm i've been adequately jolly for the festive period yeah most people don't call in uh from the bathtub but you're looking uh hoping i'm not a, this isn't a natalie portman in heat moment no, my dad is an electrician, and uh, <laughs> I specifically asked him to install a three-prong uh, shaver outlet in my bathroom. Um, and he said, how long, how far away do you want it? Where in the room do you want it? I ran downstairs, I got the toaster, um, and uh, I figured out exactly how long the lead was. Tell you what, the day we do wireless toasters, uh, the dream. <laughs> Come it on, really is. It's, it's such a pain in the ass because the, the longest extension lead that I have also has a surge protector in it. It's, it's as if they didn't want people doing like this. You know what I mean? Cowards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, well, this might be the darkest way we've ever started there, but welcome to the podcast. Uh, so, Mark, you're, you're a comedian, correct? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, are you still gigging? Uh, sort of, mostly... Um, I do a few gigs. Um, I'm kind of mainly more moving into writing stuff. Um, they say that all comedians are performers who write or writers who perform. <laughs> um, and that, that's always said by uh, pretentious wankers. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I prefer the writing side of it. I do host a weekly comedy night uh, here in Glasgow. Uh, I say weekly. It's bi-weekly. Uh, so it, <laughs> it fucks both weeks. Um but, it's kind of uh, like this podcast, doesn't it? It's on when you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's on. It's in a pub, and it's a great little pub. Uh, but the pub doesn't have. It, it's 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 not like a separate room situation. Um, oh, it's God, yeah. it's like a four separate room. Uh, so my comedy night seems to run on whatever day is most inopportune for literally everyone inside that building. Yeah, I've done that. Where I've been, I think. A friend of mine used to run a gig where people were just eating meals and then you forced the comedy on them. 
And I oh yeah, man! Someone just doing like a nine eleven joke to this six year old that was eating a a meal deal. The oh yeah, I was I was doing I I got on um and I I was waiting for some of the acts to arrive. So I thought I'll do some of that patented Mark O'Neill crowd work. Um, <laughs> and I just went up to some guy who was just lovingly eating his dinner and was just like, "Do you think the IRA is due a comeback?" <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of big in the eighties, uh, <laughs> we're talking about movies to relive the eighties. So, uh, what I would say, first of all, this is—I think this is different from what's the best movie from the eighties. Because for me, obviously, anyone who listens will know. I think the thing is the greatest film of all time. But I don't think the thing is really an eighties movie, apart from the special effects. The thing is kind of more of a. I'd probably say like a fifties or sixties paranoia thriller with eighties production values. Yeah. Uh, so for anyone who's listening is like, well, here we go. Here's just a show about the thing again. I'm going to say no, fuck them. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause your listeners expect you to run a tight ship, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Always both of them. We've got, uh, we've got listeners in Malta now as well. So hi, hi people in Malta. We, I've uh... <laughs> Hi, people in Malta. I'm I'm excited about Malta. I've always wanted to go to Malta um, because there's a. I say always uh, since 2018, I've wanted to go to Malta because there's a DLC level in the second Hitman game that's <laughs> just an absolute paradise. Uh, and there's and then Laura will come in the room and she'll be like, right, there's two problems with that. Um, number one, that's not a real place. That's a thing that someone made up for a game. Um, and it, it's not real. And number two, that's the Maldives. <laughs> I would say, shut up, Laura. Don't don't let your dreams be dreams. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, I don't know if you uh, this. It's not good for a visual gag. Um, but uh, do, do you recognise this? Of course I do. That's your penis. Um, uh, I, I prefer you put it away. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? Because it's it's kind of both bigger and smaller than you expected, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's like when I'm seeing eye tricks. Uh, yeah. no, you've, you've taken out a small comedy trophy that of the like that we used to win in our first years of stand-up comedy. Yeah, so this is a <laughs> this is a comedy virgins trophy um, that my wife uh, set, claims to have earned this, um, whereas I believe that this was stolen from you. Oh wow! Uh, because as you know, you can you can absolutely game the comedy virgins algorithm by just bringing eighteen people. Well, this this will um, this this is the only podcast that will incur an invoice at the end of this because uh, <laughs> I mowed the years. Of, so, for anyone listening, it's a very small plastic, oh, yeah. like twenty p trophy that uh, in your first year of stand up, and for some people in their eighth year of stand up, when you <laughs> when you do you do kind of small comedy competitions that are weekly run, and the the award that you get is not only a small trophy, but you get to look at your peers and go. Where is your God now? I'm better than you. That joke I just did about how my ex is fat, it's better than anyone's. Yeah, this is the most well-crafted Madeline McCann joke since Madeline <laughs> McCraft's abduction. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, I've got a new bit on there I need to write. <laughs> I, I tried a bit the other day about, um, you know, does the, does the name Shauna Ray mean anything to you? Uh, no, am I going to have to mute it out? Uh, no, it's all right. She's got her own category on Pornhub. Um, oh, nice. She's uh, she's the she's the the woman who is she's like legitimately in her mid twenties, but she had some sort of medical 
um, issue when she was a kid that affected her pituitary gland. So she permanently lives in the body of an eight-year-old. Oh, God, no. That's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. And she was in the news this year uh, because she got a new boyfriend. Um, and it's it's kind of that that, that debate of like, well, te- I, do, te- technically it's fine, uh, but also that's weird. Um, so I done a new I done a joke about that the other day and uh, and uh, did not go down well, uh, to say the least. Oh, she's got a reality um, TV show. Yeah, it's fucking harrowing. Oh God, oh that's made me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Leave that definitely leave this button. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna edit it so that it just sounds like you're trolling for people in the body of an eight year old. Yeah, and then what and then what you should do is make sure to edit in that sound of you just when I went quiet there and I could hear you go, Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, and then edit in the bit from earlier where you just say, Is that your penis? No, and then are you happy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to find a way to shoehorn us back into 80s movies, but I I can't think of anything that, unless you look at... uh, mm, I I mean, all right, what about uh, Child's Play? Uh, That's about (laughs) a perfectly adult person in the body of a a small... (laughs) Fantastic. Yes, we're back. Uh, So, well, for me, what what a staple of the 80s that as I was looking kind of, why do I like... is the 80s the best decade for films? I genuinely think it might be. Um, so I I think you and I are about the same age. Uh, I 25, yes. Yes, exactly, right? <laughs> um, so, so I was in the 80s, but I was in the 80s for like 18 months, right? Not, not very long, not even long enough to develop any kind of lasting habit. Um, but I... There's this, so I'm kind of obsessed with this idea of like uh, basically generational pop culture mm. and this thing that like um, while people are alive, they tend not to think that they are living through history. Uh, so to me, the eighties is like yeah, it was it was the eighties. It was it was the decade before. But yeah. the eighties was forty years ago. <laughs> oh, uh, that, at, at this, yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but the the fucking because I my my taste in movies basically starts in nineteen seventy five. It starts with Jaws. Like mm. for me, blockbusters are movies. Like that's the baseline for me. And then you know, I love like art house movies and I love sort of auteur driven movies and stuff. But blockbuster movies, those are my jam. And my education has gotten sort of a little bit further back. Like I love like some like it hot and, and stuff like that and earlier Bond movies. But the eighties just it, it was it was such a cosmic shift. Like mm. we watched Planet of the Apes recently because it's one of my wife's favorite movies. And at the end of it, she turned around and she said, What do you think? And I said, I can now see why Star Wars blew people's fucking heads <laughs> up like this. This was, I loved it. It's so slow and it's so fucking boring and nothing yeah. happened, which is great. Um, Planet but, of the Apes is pre, there must be something every 10 pages. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it, you kind of watch it going like, I reckon on on his home world, this character's probably racist, I think. Uh, yeah, all the <laughs> yeah, <apes. laughs> yeah, And we can't the- even tell the, and then there's an ape who's like, what do you mean you can't tell this ape apart from this ape? And that makes us, the audience, feel like the racist. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I mean, I was. You might think. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a change in pace when the eighties comes along. Yeah, you know, you when I think if you show someone Jaws now, like a a, a, a zillennial or Gen Z, they'll be bored probably, and they'll laugh at some of the bits. Um, like I watched Halloween recently in the cinema. Uh, with and there was a bunch of young people in there who laughed their asses off at some of the the way it was shot and it really hurt my feelings because I was like no this is a it's a perfect film stop it and yeah it it really makes you sad doesn't it because it makes you think of uh, when you were a kid and your and your parents or your grandparents were like watch this amazing film from the sixties it's totally action packed it's like <laughs> I don't give a fuck how towering this inferno is <laughs> it's boring as shit. This Errol Flynn guy is annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't he act like a human? I bet he has a big penis. I just know that. Me, six-year-old here watching this. Uh, but yeah, then then things kind of speed up in the 80s. Is it because of cocaine? Like, I know there's jokes said, but it feels like all the writers' rooms, all the producers' rooms were just like, we found this thing. It's called cocaine. It's going to get us over the line. I mean, it's like, yeah, a little bit. But I also feel like if we're going to get somewhat serious, like the... The Reaganomics era, um, one of the movies I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to talk about with a lot of beloved reverence, um, and as you said, you can probably have a guess what it is based on just what's on the walls behind me. It's Highlander, because um, you've got Sean Connery's I've outfit. I've got several heads <laughs> lined up, yeah. Um, it's like, they, they kind of realise that, yes, movies are art, but also movies make money. Uh, so we need them to be fucking 90 minutes long. Uh, they need to all basically feel exactly the same. It needs to be the exact same act structure for every film. No one's allowed to do anything interesting narratively. Um, there's this like famous thing about screenwriting, which is that studio heads, when you hand them a script, the first thing they will do is turn to page 20, and on page 20, there has to be an action scene. And then they'll turn to page 60. And I think on page 60, there has to be some kind of plot twist. So that's why at page 20, whenever I've turned in a script, page 20 normally has a Polaroid of me with the right, with the studio heads family. Just kind yeah. of innocent, like maybe we're getting an ice cream. But he's like, oh, that's weird. I didn't know you knew. And then page 60, it's a lot more suspicious. Like I'm kind of watching them sleep uh, just to show I've got <laughs> access to the family. Uh, Every script it, I turn in, yeah, on page 20, I've arranged the dialogue in such a way that it's a Rorschach test. <laughs> <laughs> to represent the, the director's greatest fear. <laughs> Why is this a picture of my father beating my mother again? <laughs> Why is this in the script? Is this two bears high-fiving? <laughs> All right, Ben, take it back. We've, we've already touched on Highlander, uh, which I've got in my list of high-concept movies, like... The, they talk about the elevator pitch, which is, and that's the 80s is the height of you can say it in one or two lines. It's people who live forever and they, unless they kill each other and take each other's power, you know, you go back to the future, guy goes back in time, has to get his mum to fuck his dad, Ghostbusters, it's firemen, but they're catching ghosts instead of, you know, going after fires. Yeah. And it's that kind of high concept idea. Um, what was really good was as well is that. It was high concept and it on its surface, but all the subsurface, the, the subtext was always really there. Like the they always have really strong themes in the 80s, like back to the future, which we will get back to. Um, to the future. Um <laughs> like the it is it's the elevator pitch is oh, it's a time travel movie, it's kind of a high school movie. But 
it also, I think the reason why Back to the Future is so beloved is that the underlying story is just, would you get along with your parents when they were your age? Which is the closest thing we have to a universally relatable story. Yeah, I mean, I in think the human race, kind of where cultures moved on a bit. So we we would fall into the bracket of film nerds, and I don't know about your your dad, but I do have that fear of like, if I went to high school with my dad, would he be like, you fucking loser? Look at you, like humming the Jaws theme to a girl to try and get her to date you and stuff, and <laughs> never oh, works. Yeah. Never works. Oh. You, you go to the toilets, dude. <laughs> no, but even yeah, if you try to fuck a shark. Because <laughs> they they're so sick of it, they've heard it. Yeah, attack to them. Uh, yeah, so it it comes from like a very real fear of like yeah. you fall on both sides. It's one would if my parents cool then me and would they like me? Or even worse, if you're cool then your parents and you have to look because your parents are always older than you. Yeah, so you always got to look up into them and to that way until they eventually get dementia. And you have to wipe their ass, but. To go back in time and be like, oh, no, my, my dad's a peeping Tom. Yeah, because I think that the, the danger for me would be, with my dad specifically, um, he's he is a bit of a nerd. My dad, my dad is kind of a proto-film nerd in that he watches a lot of movies, but he doesn't really like discussing or analysing movies. <laughs> That's the um, best kind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he's just like super surface level. He's like, yeah, it was great. It was about <laughs> zombies. But he will watch like the most niche zombie film you've ever seen. Like he watched that, like uh, 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 what you not Argentino, uh, Dario Argento, and he'll be like, "Yeah, it was good. It was creepy." <laughs> like, what do you think it meant? It meant, it meant <laughs> yeah. he was he was being chased by the man. Yeah, there was a lot of yellow in it. <laughs> you don't <laughs> think it was about the Vietnam War? Well, no, it wasn't set in the sixties, was it? So I don't care. <laughs> also, it was in Rome. Um, <laughs> But my problem is that I I think my issue with that would be that I would go back in time and discover that my dad is exactly as cool as I am. Oh yeah, yeah. And then you'd be like, oh, I don't know what to think, man. This is, this is really harsh. Like, how how did he ever do it? I'd um, be I'd be worried that I'd see parts of of me through my dad's eyes, where he's like, yeah. oh, so you're a loser about this, and you'd be like, oh no, this is what you've always thought, but you never said it to my face because I'm your son. He's like, yeah. But I'm like, God, I sure hope my son never grows up to be like you. Yeah, <laughs> my mum my called me a prick once. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it, it was said with the uh, with the intensity of, I have been saving this up for 14 years. And <laughs> this is just the most opportune moment to say this once. <laughs> I love you, mum. Shut up, you prick. Yeah, that was it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what what's your what's your favorite high concept from the eighties? The one that's uh, like fucking hell, what an idea. I so Ghostbusters is I I go I think Ghostbusters is the most perfect movie ever made. I, I think it's the funniest movie ever made. I think it's the most quotable movie ever made. Um I think structure wise, it's it's so it's so perfectly bizarre. Um because Ghostbusters Ghostbusters it, is is the kind of Reaganomics of films, right? Because we think about Ghostbusters as, oh, it's fun time Ghostbusting. It's, mm. it's four idiots and they have nuclear accelerators and they fight ghosts. Um, but there's a real hint of kind of 80s uh, economics and Reaganomics and stuff like that lying underneath and kind of anti-regulation and all that business. 
But the best thing about Ghostbusters, which is truly, truly bizarre, is that none of the characters in Ghostbusters have arcs. Every <laughs> single character yeah. starts the movie exactly the way that they end the movie. I've never which, thought of that. <laughs> yeah, which is not how stories operate. Um, it's because Ghostbusters... And it did like like the, the, we're not going to ruin everyone's fucking day by going through like the backstory of how Ghostbusters got written, right? There have been tomes written about this, um, but originally it was this like the highest concept movie ever devised. Uh, Ivan Reitman said this movie is going to cost three hundred million dollars. Yeah, it was going to be set in the, in the future, wasn't it? And all super like different dimensions and shit like that. It was all and like the Ecto one could fly. It was all over the place. So they took it to Harold Ramis, who said, let's do it into a, a going into business story. But Ghostbusters is essentially just the world's longest SNL sketch <laughs> of just what if exterminators, but for ghosts. Yeah, when you think about it, like they don't bust that many ghosts. No, there's in the first movie exactly two no, one ghost gets busted, depending on your definition of the word busted. And I have thought about this quite a lot, right? Because for me, ghost busting uh, isn't just vanquishing ghosts. You've got to get them in the fucking trap. Yeah. And in the first movie, that happens once. Yeah, they get to They don't them. even go back to the library oh, wait, to get that yeah, they... librarian. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do in the game. I used to have yeah. to fast forward that bit. That was... That was kind of like the hit idol. That was my... Do you know how when you watch Misery now and you know the, the ankle scene is coming up? Yeah. For That's me, usually where I'm getting to the vinegar stroke. Yeah. <laughs> for me, for me that, that start of Ghostbusters, I would have to be like, oh, uh, here we go. As soon as as soon as soon we see here, it's okay because they played the, the music and I love the song. And yeah. you know, But I have to get through this fucking scariest moment in cinema in this PG, which was the, the library ghost. Do you know what's really bizarre is that uh, originally the library ghost was scarier. Um, they made just a more frightening looking model and they kind of, before the day of shooting, they went, actually, this is fucking terrifying. Let's <laughs> let's get rid of this. Because yeah. the thing you need to remember, Ghostbusters was made, a movie made for adults, right? It, it, mm. it, it's supposed to be a funny adult comedy. And it's just that it spoke to children in such a way that kids really took it on board. But the so I don't know why they made this decision, but the library ghost was originally much more terrifying. And I know that for a fact because they then reused that model in Fright Night. Oh shit. So there's there's a bit in Fright Night where the one of the lady vampires flies down the stairs and she kinda her face contorts and it like this giant mouth, almost looking a bit like the thing from Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. Um and that was the original library ghost from Ghostbusters. That's that's a fact about Ghostbusters I did not know. So, thank you. For oh that. man, um, if you want to record a separate <laughs> podcast called Facts About Ghostbusters, you didn't know, man. I'm I've got all day. Do well, you know? I know they they originally made it scarier because she turns to them and says, "Excuse me, I've got a podcast. Would you like to listen to it?" Uh, <laughs> and that was that was terrifying at the time. Now, even now, it's more relatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've got a podcast, and I don't think I've told a single person about it. <laughs> you you Just think don't want I? To Looking at the numbers, you'd think I wouldn't have told anyone about mine. <laughs> All right, Ghost... You're big in Norway, yeah. Ghostbusters in there. Um, do you know what? I mean, we touched on that. Tonally, you were allowed to be a lot darker in the 80s. This was when kind of people went, do you know what? You, 
we've definitely come out of the Hayes Code. We've definitely come out of all that. And the PG-13 is just about being invented with Spielberg. But tonally, films are still pretty dark. We're getting a lot of violence, you know. Um, Predator is, for me, a great 80s example of... It's a, it's a pitch of uh, the hardest men in the world and they're up against an alien. Um, but it is violent as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got Predator on my list as well. I actually have a slightly different take on Predator. So Predator is directed, it's not written by, but it's directed by John McTiernan, who mm-hmm. also made Die Hard, uh, which is a proper fucking landmark. Uh, che- che- what's the word I'm looking for here? Checkline? Checkpoint film? Uh, Don't matter. Who cares? What is this? <laughs> a fucking grammar podcast? <laughs> Um, it's, it's a, a check line film, isn't it? A check line film. It's, it's one classic. of those famous check line movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got it's got the you know what the Formula One. It's got the guy waving the flag. <laughs> it's got one of them. But the but Predator. It, so John McTiernan like loves to just take action movie ideas and then go, "This sucks. I'm, we're going to change this." Um, and he uh, in Predator, it is the hardest men in the world, but it's almost a kind of anti eighties action movie. Because the first 20 minutes of Predator is they go into this like village made of apparently fucking gingerbread men. Um, <laughs> and and oh, like, yeah. you see that America's hard, America's hardest men, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and uh, they're given the biggest guns you've ever seen, right? Both on their arms and like uh, in their hands. Um, they go in, they absolutely fucking massacre whatever this village is, right? And, and no, no doubt there are women children there. I used to call them trampoline bombs. Where you throw a grenade yeah. and it, it sends people onto trampolines. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they go in there. They absolutely fucking wipe out this small economy, right? Um, and then they they, they, they they sort of manly high-five each other. And they're like, great, man, America, fuck yeah. And then all of a sudden this alien comes along and the what would previously have been the, if you're watching a horror movie where someone's in a forest um, and they're scared of this alien, you think, wouldn't it be great if Arnold Schwarzenegger showed up with a minigun and all his friends? <laughs> and in this movie, it's like, no, actually, that wouldn't be all that good because these guys only know how to fight one way. So they literally fire all their bullets just into the forest uh, and are left with nothing. Well, that's- and then just how do the hardest men in the world deal with a... A problem they're not prepared for. I think that's the scene that tells you McTiernan's in on the joke, or he's, he's telling yeah. you a joke is when Mac starts shooting at the at nothing, and everyone comes over, and instead of being like, "What are you shooting at?" instead of looking to see is there something there, <laughs> has yeah. he lost it? Everyone just joins him and starts shooting. It could be in in a, a spoof. Everyone, yeah. everyone <laughs> uses up all their bullets. It's like there's something out there that we're probably going to have to reserve. Everyone uses all it, including Jesse the Body Ventura has a mini gun that's supposed to be attached to a helicopter. That's <laughs> yeah. and they're they're on a stealth mission to infiltrate this village. So he brings a mini gun. <laughs> um, and yeah, they all they all shoot, <laughs> shoot into the forest for way too long. Yeah. And that's why it's an, it annoys me when people roll their eyes at Predator, because you're like, no, this is above and beyond a st- a, this is commenting on yeah. you know dumb action films. Yeah, man, they fucking they they level more of the rainforest than Bolisano. Like, there's <laughs> my one political joke for this this podcast. <laughs> nice, um, well done. But is it? It's so it's so wonderful. And like you're right, Mac is an absolute psychopath. We know that from the very beginning when he just dry shaves his face. 
And he just doesn't he, have any hair on it. He's constantly dry shaving. Yeah. That's his character. It's like he does it to toughen himself up. <laughs> it's like tan, it's like tanning fucking leather. Yeah. But then it genuinely, as stupid as that is, it genuinely does add tension to those moments where they're just kind of looking out into the forest and it'll cut to him and it's just that slight sound of yeah. someone shaving and it's it's the representation of him losing himself, losing it and go crazy. And for me as well, there's there's some great horror movie stuff in the 80s, um, but there's some interesting things that they did with horror. I mean, The Thing. Mm. Like, The Thing is incredible because the despite the fact that it is a remake, I think the original film isn't as good or as interesting or as no, clever. No, it's one of those 50s ones where people kind of just stand around and go, what, yeah. what, what does this mean, Doctor? And they go, well, actually, I've, and then people have that weird British transatlantic. like, And every, everything's filmed exactly at eye line. Um, <laughs> yeah. As, as if for a 4-3 telly aspect ratio. Yeah, and um, the, the solution <sighs> is normally something kind of out of nowhere where they go, oh, wait a minute, it's leaving traces of amino acids, so that must mean, hold on, if I pull the speaker out, I'll throw this at it and then we're fine. Yeah, <laughs> and he actually yeah. he was more interested in the book, wasn't he? Who goes there? Then yeah. Oh, you you got me talking about the thing. <laughs> I know, I know. And I was, I was. I think my point was that the thing, although the fifties movie is about people standing around in a room not doing anything, that is kind of what the eighties one is about. Except it makes it interesting because mm. you have no idea who the antagonist is for the whole movie. Yeah, you had. Oh, there's bits where you figure it out. It's the fuck. It's the dog that looks weird. Uh... <laughs> what if the dog just was never the thing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just a dog trying to run away from a helicopter. But the, the thing bombed, and that kind what of. If that was just the crab, the upside down crab head that they keep in that lab. <laughs> never know. Can't be too confident. That was just John. He had diabetes. Jesus, you can't all just <laughs> call him the thing. <laughs> um, they, they had a. The eighty, the thing falls into. I had a look at this. What are eighties films that bombed? And part of me is like, do you know what? They they didn't get it right in in the eighties because a lot of these films deserve to do better. So Brazil, Heather's. I didn't know Heather's bombed. You just assume, yeah, low budget, low budget. Surely, you know, everyone just saw Christian Slater and was like, that's the coolest person I've ever seen. So this will be a huge hit. And the thing and Big Trouble in Little China both bombed. Yeah. Uh, and and you, Blade Runner as well bombed. Oh my! It's oh right. You've got me talking about Blade Runner. So <laughs> Blade Runner kind of deserved to bomb at first because the the if you if you're not a if you're not one of, if you're not a blade head, <laughs> uh, you may not be aware that there's. A, I I consider the fourth edit that he made in 1996 to be the. The ultimate yeah. cut and anything else is not real. <laughs> nah, there's no unicorn in it. Uh, <laughs> there's a yeah. There's 176 different edits of Blade Runner, <laughs> um, and exactly one of them is perfect. And um, whatever one you want to believe, it's it's that one, right? Um, but there's but the version of Blade Runner that came out in theaters, it was t- the studio thought it was too confusing, so they insisted on a voiceover. And Harrison Ford had already checked out. So the voiceover was super like, hey, guys, uh, welcome to Los Angeles 2019. Uh, this is Blade Runner. It's My me. name is Harrison. <laughs> it's me, Greg, yeah. Greg Blade Runner. That's not the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just here. Just a... 
<laughs> oh yeah, I guess I'm sitting here eating some ramen, thinking about robots or something. Hey, have you ever read the book this is based on? There's quite a large <laughs> portion of it uh, devoted to whether it's ethical to keep real sheep or not. <laughs> do, do Harrison Ford's dream of better paychecks? I think it's called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck man, and then this... after this, I got to go straight to fucking Return of the Jedi. And... Hey guys, there's a bit coming up where I force myself on a woman, but she's a robot, so it doesn't really matter. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then at the end, after after Roy Batty's beautiful speech, you just hear Harrison chiming in going, why can't I just die? <laughs> All these Indiana Jones sequels cannot yeah. get lost in time. That was the original line before McGower changed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and it's... Yeah, the things things that bond in it. I mean, there were things that were successes that should have been successes. Ghostbusters, Raiders, mm. Beverly Hills Cop, but um, it, a Nightmare on Elm Street as well. It's like totally, totally took the formula and, and changed it. And is uh, that first movie is genuinely terrifying? I think that a Nightmare on Elm Street. I still think it's pretty scary. Um, yeah, I, I think that's up there with um, Ring or Ring Ringu. Yeah. If you want to be a proper film nerd, of the scariest films are the ones when you turn the film off, you go, ah, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> yeah. you, if you watch A Nightmare on Elm Street, you're not watching it at two in the afternoon. You're watching it at night. Where, you know, Maybe you're watching it with your partner. And then you're like, time to go to bed. And you're like, well, no, because there's a, there's a dream demon. You watch Halloween, turn all the lights off, time to go to bed. No, because he's still fucking alive. Yeah. Ring. <laughs> Wait, ring. You're at home, you turn the telly off. Oh, fuck. There's a TV right there that's now off. I I used to, my little ritual was if I watched like a really scary horror movie with a supernatural antagonist that really affected me, after it, I had to watch Ghostbusters, like at least for a little bit, at least like the Ghostbusting scenes. Because again, it's just like, oh, if he's idiots, can take care of that problem. Because yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters, to get, because. I, I famously will change I, I will bring every conversation back to Ghostbusters if you don't stop me, right? But the, the Ghostbusters are kind of anti-horror um, in that way of the like you say about the librarian, the ghosts in Ghostbusters, apart from Slimer, are, are fucking terrifying, right? They're really scary looking. Um, and in any lesser movie, not a lesser movie, but a different movie, they would be the, oh my God, there's this horrible, frightening, supernatural force that's chasing us and we have to figure out how to beat it. And the Ghostbusters are like, well, this is Tuesday. We're just going to invoice for this. Yeah, um, it's a case of if they're not scared, then I'm not scared. And even, yeah. even at the end, when they come up against like their biggest foe, it's more that they're put out. Yeah, you it's know, been a real damper like, on their day. <laughs> we've got to go up these stairs. And the, st- the climbing the stairs are more of a hindrance than actually fighting the ghost. And even... When you know the uh, Zool has put all this weird mystery, like '80s special effects lightning into them, yeah. it's 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 kind of like when you if you just fell off your bike, we're like, oh, oof. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first line, that, so that so that line comes, uh, that bit comes after goes and asks, "Are you a god?" And Ray says, "No," and she goes, "Then die," and it hits them with the light, <laughs> and they're all hanging off the side of fucking high rise. And the first thing that anyone says when they get back up is Winston goes, "Ray." When someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Like just 
just like, oh, I can't believe this guy. What the, what are you thinking? Like, yeah, just total. Yeah, it's a it's a workplace comedy. It just so happens that their workplace is fighting eldritch cosmic horrors. Because <laughs> um, actually, I've only just thought about this because I'm very smart. Uh, that it's it's idiots who are able to tackle a problem, so you're not scared. And then you look at Poltergeist, where it's they call in experts, and once the guy starts taking his face off in Poltergeist, the experts get scared, and that's your cue to be like. Oh fuck! This is worse than normal because even yeah. that guy's scared. But with Ghostbusters, it's just oh, we're probably fine. Yeah, they're fucking they're plumbers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're just ladies. Like yeah. it's just like the, the whole thing is just a, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and another movie from the eighties that kind of hits that for me, arguably included along with its sequels, is Evil Dead Two. Oh hello. It's Evil Dead 2. Like, I watched Evil Dead 2 last night in preparation for this podcast. Um, and just because it was fucking Evil Dead 2 and I'd had a, an edible. Um, <laughs> and I... Uh, I would not watch like, Evil Dead 2 on an edible. <laughs> oh, it's fucking... It's fucked up, man. Yeah, it's fucking weird. And it, Evil Dead 2... Uh, so in the, in the 80s, horror movies got so bad that we, we had to effectively ban them on VHS. The video nasties and the Evil Dead is probably one of the most famous ones. Evil Dead Two is really weird uh, because they couldn't. Ass- Sam Raimi in the studio couldn't assume that everyone saw Evil Dead because it was so <laughs> low budget. So they spent the first five minutes remaking the entire ninety minutes of Evil Dead One, um, and then and then it's just like boom, right? You're caught up, and it's not a recap. They literally just redo. Yeah, the they reshot the it all. <laughs> Yeah. Wasn't it because did it switch studios and they didn't have the rights to the material that, or something like that? I think it is that. Yeah, that that sounds about right. And they were That's, like, "It's cheaper for us to remake this than it is for us to buy the rights back." Yeah, that's also why in Ash versus Evil Dead for the first season they couldn't reference the events of Army of Darkness. Oh um, really? Which is weird because if I travel back in time to the 13th century, I would find a way to get that into every conversation I'd ever had with anyone ever, um, and he just couldn't talk about it. But Ash, Evil Dead 2 is kind of that same thing, but it's the horror in it is so psychological and so in, in your face and just kind of really weird, but also kind of behind the scenes. And it's like, is he crazy? Is he not crazy? It, like another diff- a, a different way to take that movie would have been, is he just seeing things? Like, did he actually kill his girlfriend? da 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 da, da. And then 30 minutes in, it's like, no, no, this problem is real. And this guy has chopped off his own hand and he's about to go out to the tool shed and fucking tool up. And he is going to fucking solve this problem. Well, subtlety um, is dead in the 80s. There is no subtlety. Which no, yeah. And it's and the narrative is all the better for it. Yeah, because the evil dead is just, right, so people are full of blood. We don't know how much blood. We're going to assume 50 gallons? Yeah. Is everyone full of 50 gallons of blood? <laughs> what if it all exploded in one direction? How, how much <laughs> would, would, would you be sitting there going, like, we do, we said, what we don't want is the audience to be sitting there going, oh, that doesn't seem like enough blood. And what's mad is Sam Raimi is like the opposite of that, you know, the Bruckheimer, Joel Silver, like, hoofing mountains of coke being like, and what if we did this? Sam yeah. Raimi is more like, you can tell he's in the corner going, and I was thinking maybe if you cut off your hand and then you can do a backflip and then maybe I think 
Like he's the ASMR of directors when you, you, he's talking <laughs> to people, but he's just saying this outlandish shit where he's like, and then the tree's probably going to rape your girlfriend. I think, yeah, that'll work. That'll yeah. work quite well. <laughs> and then it's because it almost feels, oh, and it's, and anything else, Sam? Oh, and it, it's kind of all based on the Three Stooges. <laughs> yeah. Um, it almost kind of feels like, uh, like Sam Raimi has like an extra extra evolutionary gland in his brain that just makes its own cocaine. Yeah. Um, but he's just doing it inside. Evil Dead 2 also has this amazing shot, like, because they built the the whole cabin, he was like, we're just going to do a shot where we go above the cabin and go to each room. And it's like, are you fucking Alfred Hitchcock on crack? Yeah. Because um, he's, like, I, I, I think he, he too often gets left out of the conversation of truly great, truly visionary mm. directors. Um, and it's weird because, it, and this is not a knock on, on him, but Edgar Wright does. But, yeah. And I imagine Edgar Wright will happily admit this. Everything Edgar Wright does is based on Sam Raimi. Edgar Wright has just tweaked it. And yeah, just, when you... just like put his own spin on it. When you watch the, the, like the whip, the whips and the zooms in yeah. uh, his the Cornetto trilogy. He'll say in the commentary, "This is all Sam Raimi. I didn't think to do this." Yeah, and Sean is pretty much uh, a Bruce Campbell knockoff. Yeah, you know, it's an idiot not knowing what to do. Because uh, there's a great quote uh, he gave Sam Raimi gave about uh, Evil Dead, and I think it was during when Ash versus Evil Dead came out. And someone asked him, like, what, what is your advice to, to the writers? And he says, well, on this show, my advice to the writers is um, you have to write Ash as if he's utterly incompetent, <laughs> but is good at exactly one thing, and that thing is killing deadites. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, and it, and it so works. Uh, have you seen Ash versus Evil Dead? Uh, I'm, I'm about six episodes into the first season, I think. Right, there's something that call, we'll, we'll 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 do another Zoom call when you've got there. There's something that comes at the end of the second season that is so perfect and like such a like a, a take on like a kind of horror movie cliche. Um, but it's Ash's idea, and it's it it like he is such a fucking nutcase, such a lunatic that he just expects everyone to have figured this out on their own, and the rest of the characters are like. What the fuck are you talking about? Um, and it's and it's wonderful and it's so joyous. Um, and I, I adore it, man. Yeah, but yeah, even that it's it's it and, it and I mean, it's like you're saying with the thing, like this is one of the movies I'm going to show to my kids and I'm going to get really annoyed when they're like, these special effects are dumb. And I'm like, these special effects are fucking great. Look at I'll that kill you. stop motion <laughs> tree raping that woman. Yeah, I'll kill you. Yeah, I'll take you into the fucking woodshed. <laughs> anyway, any more of your chat? Yeah, I'm going to put your heed in a vice. And unlike this, check, you're not going to be poking out from underneath it. Because uh, well, that's you a will... practical effect, son. When you look at the leading men of the 80s versus the 90s, like the 90s gives you, you know, Antonio Banderas and all these beautiful leading men and you got yeah. the, the McConaughey's. In the these the two films that we talked about length there, the leading men are, are Bruce Campbell, and uh, who's like a kind of melted Paul Newman. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, you know, look at the Ghostbusters. The, the Ghostbusters are schlubby and it, they're all like someone's dad who's been divorced. Yeah. <laughs> and these were leading men. 
Yeah, and also, unless I, I, I don't mean this to, to hurt you, but but um, fucking the when we watched Ghostbusters as kids, we were like, these guys are our heroes. Those guys are us now, like <laughs> and and like our early mid to mid thirties, just like what are we doing, man? Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it, they're so they're so you know they're so relatable to us because we're like, oh, we are just absolute fives. Yeah, I might um, join you in that bath. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I built it big enough for two. <laughs> Um, but we've no better way to go than taking someone else with you. 